the new top male vocalist is Toby, Toby Keith. Keith. The entertainer of the year, Toby Keith. And the winner is Toby Keith. You shouldn't kiss me like this unless you mean it like that. You shouldn't kiss me like this. A lot of people go in and making a big career like this of 30 years. Most of all, I want to thank the fans. I should have been a cowboy. Musically, I have no goals left. I've accomplished everything. So the only thing I have left to do is just longevity. So my heroes are Hag and Willie and those guys. So they've been around two or four decades. I've been around one. So hopefully four more decades from now we'll be sitting here saying, you know, I told you so. for my man, for my horse. I thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to thank my family and everybody back in Oklahoma tonight. Look out your window and smile. Coming up this thank episode. Thank God for blessing us. Don't let the old we celebrate the songs and life of country star Toby Keith during Cadillac Jack, my second act. Before we get underway, Donna, a couple of things that, that I've seen and that I have researched uh, since Toby's passing Sunday night. Beer for my horses, Willie Nelson joined him for that song. Willie Nelson became the oldest artist to ever hit number one. At the time, Willie was 70. Should have been a cowboy from Toby Keith, the first song that he ever introduced to country radio. Back in 1993, became the most played song on country radio for an entire decade in the 90s. Think of the number of songs that we heard that you didn't hear, but that were released in that decade. The 90s, of all of those songs, Should Have Been a Cowboy, was played more than any other. We'll spend a lot of time talking about Toby Keith this episode, some personal stories and uh, vignettes and things like that, but uh, it truly is a, a loss for country music fans. Uh, he was a patriot. He was a true uh, American. He uh, was, was pro-military, did 11 USO tours, during his career, which means he, he went to a foreign country to perform for the troops absolutely free. He survived by three young adults, children, uh, four grandchildren, and his wife, Trisha. My name is Cadillac Jack. I joined Atlanta Radio when I was 19 years old, put in a loyal 26 years. Welcome to my second act, a podcast where we talk about things you talk about with family and friends, conversations about current events, pop culture, headlines in the news, music, trends, and occasionally revealing and endearing conversations about marriage, parenting, and personal growth. Welcome to Cadillac Check, my second act. My name is Donna and I'm Caddy's wife. It's been a rough, rough 24 hours around here. We lost Toby Keith. And so I had to go to um, over to Mountain Brook for a day, literally 24 hours. Um, we're interviewing a new manager candidate over there and had to do some stuff in the store. And... Um, where is Mountain Brook? Tell me yeah. real quick, if you don't mind. In Near Birmingham, right outside of Birmingham, Alabama. And you know, like your gut, like we've talked about this before, like we don't have, both of us have said we have this. We don't have the power to harness it for good or evil, but there's just like things that flash before your mind. Do you know what I mean? And you're like, you don't really know what it means. And you may, it may not even, I don't even know how to describe it. It may not even come up on your radar, but then after, after the, the fact. fact, you're like, oh, God, yeah. I, remember, I remember that. So I was, I had to leave. Charlotte had a, um, she had a field trip super early. They were going down to the Capitol yesterday. And so she had to leave really early. Um, and so I was getting out of here around probably 10, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. I kind of got a late start. I was so tired. This was Monday. Um, I just wanted to try to like get a little bit of sleep before I hit the road and drove over. It's a three hour drive and you gain an hour, which just really messes you up timetables and stuff like that. But anyway, so I was like, what am I going to do with Roscoe? Because it was a beautiful day. Roscoe's our hound dog. He's seven years old. 
and he has an invisible fence so he can run all around the yard. And I'm like, I think I'm just going to leave him outside, you know, with the um, door up because I didn't know she had a baseball thing after school and, you know, she's busy too. And I'm kind of like, nobody's going to be here to let him in or out. So he's going to let himself in and out and then she'll be home and it'll be fine. And she had told me I'll be able to come home after school actually, and kind of get him settled before I go back out. And a long story short, I get a call yesterday at three 30, um, in the store. So Monday he was fine. And then Tuesday, yesterday was the day actually she let him out because she was going to be at the Capitol. Anyway, I get a call at 3.30. She says, Mom, I just came up about 3 o'clock. She said, I came up the driveway and like Roscoe always runs up to all of us when we come up the driveway. And she's like, he's kind of limping. And I said, well, maybe he stepped on something or hurt his paw. You know, I mean, there's branches down everywhere, like out in the woods. And we have almost an acre, I guess, for him to run on. And she said... He just fell over in the garage. Well, last week he had gone to get all of his shots and his like annual exam. And he had a little spot on one of his legs that we thought they took a, they aspirated it and took some stuff out of it. And they, it wasn't cancerous. It, we thought it was like allergies. So I'm like, did that have something to do with it? Like what they do with that? So anyways, I don't know. So she tried to get him in her car and because she has a Bronco, he, he couldn't jump up in it. And the one thing that I know about dogs, and I told her, I said, do not try to lift him from the backside because you know what will happen. They'll bite you. Yes, you know what I mean? Will, they'll yeah, they'll well, bite you. They're, if, they're, if, they're not in, 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 in their normal frame of mind. No. So I said, well, just if he won't get in on his own, don't try to lift him. We'll figure it out. So she called Little River. I mean, this kid's amazing. She's been through it with his dog. So she's, she's like, she said, Mom, I just put on my calm face. So she like called Little River and they were like, that's our vet. And they were like, well, we'll send a mobile vet out to look at him in the garage. Now it's $200 extra. And I'm like, that's okay. Send them out. Send them out. Meanwhile, I had just spent like, you know, when you take him to the vet and you're just like, you brace yourself like for what it's going to be. Because of course he was a senior dog when he went to get his stuff done. So they, you know, have to do the senior blood panel, which I'm glad they did because they would need it for what I'm about to tell you. Anywho, they come out. They basically assess him and say, we think he tore his ACL. It's called a CCL in dogs, but we need to x-ray it. And they help him get into her car for $200. But that was the only way to do it. He wasn't going any other way. So they get him there, they do the x-ray, and they call me and they said, I said, you know, just call me once you know what's going on. Yes, he tore his CCL, his ACL. I'm like, oh my God. And they're like, he has to have surgery. Like a human, a human caddy. And so I'm like, okay. And... So they give him some pain medicine and some gabapentin and a referral and all this stuff. $600 yesterday. I'm like, okay, send him home. Charlotte brings him home. He's limping. He basically, he's so cute. I love a three-legged dog, but I don't want a three-legged dog. Right? Would you agree? Uh, nobody wants a three-legged dog. Yeah. So he kind of hobble. He hobbles on three legs, but he's getting good at it because he has to pee pee and he can't go out by himself. So he has to pee pee and poopy on three legs. Pooping on three legs is much harder than peeing on three I'll legs. Imagine, I'm I'll imagine. I've done it one time. So he has to come in through the laundry room door because we have steps everywhere in the front, on the side, through the garage, everywhere. So that's a whole issue. So comes in. I get home last night, come in on one wheel at like, you know, it's a three hour drive. I left at six, which is seven o'clock our time. So I get here like 10, 15, come in, sit down with him, give him a lot of love, you know, deal with Charlotte. So today I've been setting everything up and um, here's where my, the, the, the um, intuition comes in. Okay. All right. So they gave me two referrals for doctors, for vets. And one was a surgeon who comes into our vet practice and does a surgery. And another is a group practice. 
And she said, I don't know what the group practice charge is, but I know the surgeon who comes into our place because it's just a flat fee for CCL, ACLs, is $5,500. I'm like, for the love of Jesus. Okay, yeah. So last night I'm sleeping and I'm like, okay, I'm going to call those other people tomorrow and just, you know, get a quote. And I'm like, something just keeps coming up about like him. Like, well, I was thinking like this dog is so expensive because you ran over him, not on purpose. And he had to have basically a $12,000 surgery. Well, I'm just saying he is, you would you not say he's a bionic dog? Yep. So I'm thinking about like when he was at, because I'm thinking about his recovery and I'm thinking about when he was a little like at Blue Pearl, which is like the emergency vet and how great a care they took of him. And it just, it just kept kind of like, I don't explain it. Like it just Blue Pearl just kind of kept coming up in my mind. So I had called the other surgeon place and they're very, um, you know, it's, it's very put together and very official and he has to come in for a consult and thank God you've already taken his blood. But I mean, they're very nice, very nice, very nice. They have great reviews. $7,800 for the surgery there. So the other doctor, I'm about to land this plane. The other doctor that like comes into our vet called me and I just, the surgeon, I spoke to her and she goes, um, Hey, I, you know, she said, I don't know what you've heard. And I said, well, you know, you come highly recommended and the other place comes highly recommended. I was just trying to figure out, you know, what's the best situation. She goes, well, I have an opening this Friday at 1030. We'll get him in. And she said, I, she explained the whole procedure to me. It's not as scary now. She said, you know, it's about a four week recovery. Um, he'll do great. She said, um, I said, I've heard that a lot of times when they tear one CCL, the minute they go out on their healthy one, are you ready for this, Caddy? Probably not. They tear the other one. Right, sure. And it happens like 50% of the time. She goes, that usually, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. She said, but it usually happens when people let them limp around too long. Because basically what's happening is they're putting... It's getting weak. It, they're putting too much weight on the other one. Right. You see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. To compensate. So she said, that's why we want to get them as quickly as possible. So she goes, but I have to tell you something. So I'm trying to decide like which one. I mean, obviously I'm going to go with the cheaper one, I guess, if she's as good. But anyway, so I'm like... I'm thinking about all this in my head. And she says to me, I have to tell you something. I know Roscoe. And I said, you do? And she said, I used to work at Blue Pearl. She said, I was the head surgeon at Blue Pearl. And she said, I took care of him. And I actually did surgery on him when he had his car accident. A car accident. And she said, she said, I love that little guy. And I said, you are kidding me. And she said, I probably shouldn't mention the name of this place because now, like I've said all this. But anyways, she said, I basically left Blue Pearl and went to private practice. I'm not going to tell you why. But um, she said, so I'm able to do these surgeries for a little less money. And um, she said, it just makes me feel good because she said, I've seen too many people, which we know this happens all the time. You and I experience this. You can't afford it. You can't afford it. They just can't afford things. And so she said, it just started to really break my heart. So I do it on my own. She said, but I would love, she said, I would be honored to do his surgery. And I almost started crying, Caddy. I was just like, oh my God. You know, and I'm constantly saying, and this is going to sound weird in, in a situation with a pet, but I'm always one of those people who like, when my dad passed away, I was like, God, give me a sign. Why, why won't? And then I see um, cardinals in my backyard all the time, which I know is my dad, because they say cardinals are people coming back in different forms to say hello. I've seen your dad in Peanut the Piebald Deer, you know? Right, right, right. Um, and so this was just a really good sign. And I'm like, this is who I'm supposed to go with. And I said, let's do it. 1030 Friday. And she, and I said, you know me, I'm like, does he stay there for a couple of days? And she's like, nope, you'll bring him home that afternoon. I'm like, oh, Lord, Lord Jesus. Okay. Kelly, when you go in for to birth a, a baby, you want to say yeah. one night, maybe two, maybe three, kind of the same thing. Just you know, we want you want him to stay there. Just you know, give you 
little reprise before the uh, little reprise. The, the full recovery. Well, began. listen, when I had my C-sections on Charlotte, I convinced my doctor, Dr. Marcus, he would come in and I'd pull those covers up over me. And I'm like, I just don't feel good. I don't feel good. I know what's right. going on. It's my vertigo. And I'm like, my scar's itchy and it hurts. And he goes, I know what's going on. You want to stay another night? I'll write you another night. I'm like, okay, thank you, Jesus. Anyway, so. That's all good news, bad news. You know, with the good, you got to take the bad. And the bad is that animals cost a lot of money and tug at our heartstrings. But the good news is, because I always trying to look at the thing half Right, whatever full. it is. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, it's treatable. It's treatable. You know what I mean? Yep, he didn't get run over so, by a 1,500 Chevy pickup truck. Yeah, exactly. Twice, so yeah. there's that. He's kind of like a star. Like, people know him. Like, oh, Roscoe, the dog that had the car accident. Yes. You know, Roscoe P. Coltrane. Yes. So that is going on, but it's all getting taken care of. So he will be going under anesthesia Friday, Friday. at 1030. If you, if you have any little animal prayers, stick them out there for us, please. And as Betsy told me, I was texting with her last night, my friend and our pod peep. And she said, let me know if you need me to set you up a GoFundMe. I said, not yet. But if the second one goes, definitely. I was lucky enough to become friends with Toby over the years, as improbable as that seems. We met very early on on the Colbert Report, and back then there was a not-so-helpful legend that I had knives out for some of my guests, and it didn't help that at the beginning I sometimes did. And I remember having some kind of plan for Toby, I think related to his booting your ass song, but right before I went on stage, I remember vividly looking down at my shoes and saying, what are you doing? You're a host, he's your guest. Make him feel welcome. See who he is. And what do you know? We hit it off like a house of fire. I couldn't believe how much I enjoyed talking to Toby Keith. And evidently, Toby had a good time, too, because after the show, as he was heading for the door that goes out on the 54th Street, he turned and caught my eye and said, Hey, man, you do a great job, whatever the it is you do. That is Stephen Colbert on The Stephen Colbert Show. Two people that you would not expect to see seated at a table in a restaurant or at a bar. But I think that is proof right there that uh, sometimes it's about the person. Sometimes it's about the heart and the soul and what they can bring to you in your life and, and, and positive vibes and things like that. People didn't know Toby. Um, I think there were a lot of things about him that would surprise him, them, that he, uh, he was, was a Democrat. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was going to be my number one thing that was going to surprise people. But yes, absolutely. Sorry. That he was a Democrat. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm just saying, no, no, that's we were going to say it. I think it's shocking when people find that out. And I don't really know why. Um, obviously, he was a huge supporter of the military and the troops. Um, he raised a ton of money. He just had his, um, 19th, uh, fundraiser, which he, as you said, had he was so true. He had been doing prior to even having cancer himself. He did it for children's children's cancer charities, raised $1.8 million. Um, he was a great scratch golfer, actually a really good golfer. People didn't know that about him. Um, he had three kids. He was very, he'd been married to the same woman, wasn't he? For the entire. Uh, he was, yes. Now she had a, she was married previously. Uh, she had a daughter from her first marriage. Toby adopted her. Yes. And, and then, then they, they had, had a son and daughter Crystal together. And, yeah. And, and he was a wealth manager and the other um, daughter was in the music business and they had recorded a couple of things together. But as you told us on the radio, he did not give her any extra legs up. He really kind of made her work her way through the system. But the other thing about Toby is he was unapologetically Toby. And um, he did not care about award shows. He was rarely, if ever, I don't even know if he was ever nominated for a CMA. Maybe he was, yes. but. Yeah, yeah, he was. Okay. But he wasn't like an award show darling, you know? He won more ACMs, I yes. think, than. Uh, two Entertainer of the Years from the ACMs. Yes, than CMAs. And obviously because those were more fan based, but um, he didn't care. He just loved 
like being on the road, making music, he's super smart. Um, and I think he, um, I think he was really good, like maybe because of his son, but I think he was really good with his money and investing and just, you know, sometimes some of those people who started their career in the nineties didn't have enough gas to make it all the way in the tank. If you know what I'm saying? Um, they either spent it, they were in rehab, th th things happened. Um, but Toby just had a long, you know, sort of steady career yeah. and he would just play out and about. And he, as we talked about, he loved to play at bars. I know you're going to tell your Toby Key story. I want to tell you one funny story about, it's not really about him, but it is, you know, he always, he was a fixture at Cowboys, the um, big country music place out in Kennesaw that was owned by Steve yeah. Albeck, North, who North, also owned. 20 miles north of Atlanta. Yeah. And in Steve had owned where? Cowboys uh, in Cowboys in Dallas. Red Rocks in Dallas, Fort Worth. Yeah. Yes. And he was really good friends. Um, Steve was really good friends with our general manager, Victor. And it was just a, it was a great time at the station. We were all printing money, as we've said before. And it was just a great time. 90s country. And so Cowboys was my account. And um, I'll never forget, we had this special situation where we were, you know, we would always bring, listeners would win tickets, but then they would, were able to come up and meet the artist. And we had probably 20 listeners who were coming up to meet the artist. And the artist being Toby so, Keith. Artist being okay. Toby Keith. And so we're up in that little room. If you remember at Cowboys, Upstairs, it was up at the yeah. top. Yeah, you had yeah. to go up the stairs. Yeah. And it wasn't anything special by today's standards, certainly. And no. not even by like when, not when, remember when Wild Bills built their VIP room? We yeah. were all like, wow, because yeah. it had like white furniture and it was really nice. Yeah. This was like some nasty couches and stuff. So, Cockroaches. Anyways, couches. seriously. Well, that's what I'm getting to. So we're up there and they bring Toby in. And he's just jovial and kind of flirty. I will tell you, Toby was a flirter, but not in a bad way. I mean, just kind of like a cool way. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so we were all up there and it was me and Christy Allman, our promotions director. And I can't remember who else, maybe somebody, maybe Andy, I, I, maybe a program director or two. I don't know who it was. Um, and we're getting ready to bring all these people in. And there's this horrible smell in this room and everybody notices it, but like nobody's really saying anything, but I'm like looking around and looking to the side. And finally, Toby says, what the hell smells so bad? And he's like, did somebody not wear their deodorant? And so I just start like looking around and picking up. So I pick up a couch cushion uh -huh. and there's this big um, tinfoil thing of something. And I'm like, oh my God, what is that? And he reaches in and opens the damn thing and it's rotted meat. Uh -huh. Okay. Like hamburger meat okay, yeah, that clearly sandwich. someone has stolen. Yeah, someone stole them from the kitchen and, like, put it there and been like, I'm going to grab this on my way out. You know what I mean? Make me some tacos for the next two weeks. And so these people are getting ready to file in. And Toby says, well, that brings a new meaning to the meet and greet. Mm. Meet and greet. M-E-A-T. Yes. He was and, very funny. I mean, we just all, oh, my God, we just all died laughing. It's like, good Lord. Yeah. Very funny. You never knew. Um, Toby Keith always, he loved to travel by bus. You know, now the big thing is private jets and. Flying first class and stuff like that. Toby, Toby loved being on the road. He was a roadie, a uh, road warrior. And, and so he always was in town at least nearly a full day prior to a show that he would have. Um, and I would normally, when I was doing afternoons from uh, 3 to 7 here in Atlanta, I, I would uh, broadcast him the big shows, you know, in the afternoon from tailgating to backstage to just working the, working the venue and bringing, you know, trying to paint the picture and bring the color of the event and the concert to the radio in the afternoon, especially for those people that were headed down to the venue uh, here in Atlanta, wherever that venue may have been. So you never knew really if you were going to get time with Toby, meaning he would do the meet and greets. He would do all that kind of stuff with the fan club. And he was always so good to his fans, but 
you never knew if you were going to just say hello to him or if Toby wanted to sit down and have a conversation and record something for the next morning. Well, I've been told earlier in the day that Toby wanted to sit down and have a conversation with me. And I thought, well, hell, okay, I'm all about it. So you prep a little bit, but not too much because you don't want to. But uh, so I learned, don't, don't over prep, just go in and talk. Talk about what's, what's going on in your life, your personal life. What are, what are fans not hearing about Toby Keith right now? And a lot of times it's personal stuff. It's, it's about the kids. It's, you know, it's not stuff that they want to hang on to necessarily or that they don't want to talk about, but there's just not really an avenue or a channel to talk about it. Um, so we go to the bus, which always made me nervous. You know, a bus is, is an artist's house on wheel, home on wheels. You know, they live on this bus. And I always was kind of skittish about getting on somebody's bus. Uh, but Toby said, listen, we want to come on up. We'll have some drinks. It's tequila. And we'll sit down and have a conversation. So I have my recording device and everything. I was all set to go excited, probably teased at the morning. Uh, of saying, hey, tomorrow morning, Toby Keith, uh, we're going to have a conversation tonight. You'll hear it at 710 tomorrow morning. Whatever, setting the tea. So we get there. Toby is chatty, which Toby Keith is not a chatty guy. Um, he, he's not a big talker, um, but he was chatty. We talked about everything from kids growing up to, uh, to to just life in general, to music, to the music industry, to him launching his own record label, Show Dog Records, Nashville. We touched on probably everything. And I just, as... There's a picture of, uh, of, of Toby Keith and I during this recording, during this conversation we're recording on his bus in the front lounge. And it looks like I'm sitting on his lap. I mean, we're literally <laughs> just just shoulder to shoulder, laughing, cutting up, having a good time. And I, the entire time I'm taping, I'm thinking, my gosh, this great radio is going to be fantastic for Toby Keith fans to hear tomorrow. We get done. We say our goodbyes and uh, have a great show. Safe on the road. See you next time. Walk down the stairs, off the bus. And I realize I had forgotten to hit record. The big, oh, my God. The big red button. I didn't hit the big red button before we started the talk. And I missed everything. And I could feel the blood rush out of my, my head and my body. Uh, because you couldn't ask Toby Keith to do it again. You wouldn't want to do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's already given you a half you hour. You couldn't replicate all that you great can't. conversation. You can't replicate it, so why try? Um, the, the, the best moment you ever got from an artist in radio, and this is where a lot of personalities m miss it, uh, it's the first 30 seconds. And it's when they're walking in the studio and they hadn't seen you in a while. And it's Toby Keith or it's Dina Carter or it's Garth Brooks or it's Kenny Chesney saying, oh my gosh, Caddy, how are you? Good to see you, man. And it's, you know, it's a hug and uh, that kind of thing. Hey, man, we're going to get there on mic two. We're getting ready to go live. And uh, we'll do that in five minutes. What do you want to talk about? Anything you want me to avoid? Um, that, that, that spontaneity, you can't recreate that. And so I would always roll tape before the studio door opened and an artist walked in because that was audio. Uh, that was a piece of, of 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 the radio mystery that nobody else really ever wanted to expose, and I was fine doing that. Um, it was the introduction when they walk in. So it was just great radio, I, but I missed it, and I could have kicked myself in the ass, and I probably did, especially when I had to tell my program director. Mm. Um, I forgot who it was at the time. Maybe Dino. It probably was Dino, Dean Hallam, the mm. late, great Dean Hallam. But I even hired a forensic expert, forensics expert, to go through my phone and recording device to see if he, they could find it anywhere on my phone, and they couldn't. Um, they found some other things, but not, mm. not the Toby Keith visit, which just made me sick. Yeah. Made me sick to my stomach. But uh, he was always. Has that ever nice happened guy. to you before? No. Not that I'm aware of. Mm. I probably had. You just, I was nervous. I was nervous. I mean, yeah. who, who, didn't, who, who forgets to hit the big red button, for God's sakes? You know, a lot of his songs, I've been listening to a lot of his songs here in the past, you know, 24, 36 hours, as most have. Uh, you, you hear songs like. Um, stays in Mexico. And his songwriting reminds me of very much of like Eric Church or Eric Church's songwriting reminds me of Toby Keith's songwriting. It's all about the detail. It's all about that one word that's better than just the word everybody uses. 
the word that people expect you to rhyme with or the, the word that people expect to come next. You don't use that word. You find another word that's similar to it. Um, and there's just so many examples of that in his songwriting. It stays in Mexico. You know, he paints a picture of the, the, the two people. You know, one was the first grade teacher, the woman, remember? The other oh, yeah, sold, and you can just see her. Yeah, absolutely. The other sold, uh, what, high-risk insurance or something. From He was from Colorado. Yeah. You know, and it's just the details. Uh, Toby spent time to make sure that the records and songs that he wrote and records that he recorded had the detail in them. Uh, and there was a lot of sexual innuendo in Toby Keith records through the 90s. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you listen back to some of them. Uh, it's, it's, well, and even like, how do you like me now? It was like this bravado that he had, you know, it was like, here, here he comes. And I mean, he was the big dog on, I mean, you know, they called him the big dog show dog records was his show dog was his, you know, record label. He, he was, and I think that's the thing. If you weren't, if you only knew Toby Keith, um, and I think that's with anyone as he was going through this fight and obviously he was strong as hell going through this fight. But I mean, from a physical standpoint, obviously he had lost a lot of weight and didn't look the same, but I mean, he was a big old boy. I mean, like, and, you know, just, he had kind of that, I don't know, that outdoor sexuality. I mean, like he was, he was hot, you know, like in back in the nineties when he'd come in the room, he commanded the room, yes. you know, he had that deep voice and just big old, he wore those boots and those tight jeans. And you're like, okay, you know, here he comes. That's Toby Keith right there. Another clip I found, um, you know, the song his his, his last Appearance and performance at award shows were the People People's Choice Country Awards back in September, I think, late September, early October on NBC. Uh, it was the first year they had him, if I recall. Wasn't it year one, Donna? Yeah. Yes. Uh, he got the Icon Award, was presented the Icon Award, but he also sang a song called Don't Let the Old Man In. And the song has really grown some legs since Toby's passed. Um, Clint Eastwood included it in The Mule, a movie that he, he wrote and directed. I think he wrote it, but I know that he directed it. And you can tell we've been buddies for a long, long time. Here is just a, uh, a piece of the song, Don't Let the Old Man In, from Toby Keith. And then Toby's going to explain to you uh, how that all came about. The song came about following a conversation that he had with Clint Eastwood. It's a lot of dark hallways. Yeah. Are you doing okay? I am. I'm not going to let this define what my future is. Cancer's a roller coaster, so you're, it's like you just sit here and wait on it to go away. It may not ever go away. Uh, and if it goes in remission, it's still going to be in the back of your mind. You still have to do scans and stuff. How do you maneuver through those dark hallways? Faith. Yeah, you have to have your faith. It's, uh, thank God that I got it, too. You take it for granted on days that things are good, and you lean on it when days are bad. And it's taught me to lean on it a little more every day. Have you experienced a peace that passes all understanding? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I finally got to a point. In the spring, I was diagnosed in October of 21, and I was going through all the chemo and the first time I'd been through chemo and radiation surgery. And I just got to a point where I was comfortable with whatever happened. I had my brain wrapped around it, and I was in a good spot either way. So uh, people without faith don't have that. People without faith don't have that, Toki says. And uh, Amen. Very, very well said. Ask for Donna, ask for the Wolfman at Gallery Furniture, 1600 Brownsbridge Road, Gainesville. The same place the store's been at Donna for nearly 40 years, if not over 40 years. And it all began with uh, Wolfman, Donna's father, um, Ask for the Wolfman and, 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 and his, his unclaimed furniture showroom. Originally is what Gallery Furniture has become today there on Brownsbridge Road in Gainesville. Yeah, if you've driven by um, the Gallery Furniture showroom, 
numerous times and you've looked over to your left, you've looked over to your right, right while you're on Browns Bridge Parkway and you're like, man, they're building a lot of new stuff around here. That's a new restaurant over there because there's a new restaurant right across the street from Gallery. New hotels. Man, those are some big, yeah. yeah, new hotels. Those are big car dealerships. Yes, lots of things are changing, but the one thing that's not changing with Donna and Gallery and the fantastic people there is the service that they provide. And the amount of inventory, you know, if you go in and I don't think this is going to happen to you, but if you go into the showroom and you can't find anything, tell her what you're looking for. She's got satellite warehouses. She can drive around and find you what you need. She has them categorized. She knows every piece of furniture at every warehouse in her mind categorized. You know what I mean? Like the Dewey Decimal System from the library at Cadillac Jack. Yeah, five or six of them around Gainesville. Yeah, and that's how good she is. So, I mean, it's not a matter of, well, if they had this, they're going to have what you want. It's just, is it there on the showroom or does she need to go grab it from a warehouse? And the pricing is going to be incredible. It's going to be less than what you expected it to be. You're going to be able to get more pieces because you're going to have more money to work with. And you're just going to feel good when you leave there because guess what? You shopped locally. You helped a local business in our community do business. Yes. Uh, Two things and only two things that you need for guaranteed uh, financing. A gallery furniture, six months on the job and a checking account. That's it. Six months on the job, checking account. Donna's going to get it done for you. Guaranteed financing, gallery furniture, 1600 Browns Bridge Road, Gainesville. Online, askforthewolfman.com. The Instagram handle and a great follow is at askforwolfmanfurniture. Gallery furniture, Gainesville. And the Grammy <coughs> goes to <coughs> Flowers, Miley Cyrus. Uh, anyone else? I don't think I forgot anyone, but I might have forgotten underwear. Bye. Miley Cyrus. <laughs> At the Grammy Awards on uh, Sunday night, uh, she rattled off a list of probably 250 people. Thank 250 people. Easily 250 people, Donna. And then before, you know, doing the underwear gag and, and, and walking off the stage, a lot of folks are saying that she forgot on purpose. Oh, let me rephrase that. She forgot to thank her daddy, Bill Ray Cyrus. Yes, Mr. Achy Breaky Heart. My, I bet there's somebody listening right now has no idea that Miley Cyrus's dad was a dude who put out Achy Breaky Heart back in 1995, 1996. Became one of the best-selling country records of all time. Um, do you think it was on purpose? And if so, why? Um, I, I don't know why, but I, I do think maybe it was a little bit on purpose. Um, you know, Billy Ray and Miley have been super close, you know, obviously the Hannah Montana years and, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but there was a split in the family and him and Tish got divorced and she, and they both wanted it. She, um, it wasn't like one person was responsible or or not responsible. Um, She just did a Tish, the mom just did a really um, revealing interview with Alex Cooper on the Call Her Daddy podcast, which I love. Um, And she said, listen, I met Billy Ray. This was Tish when I was 23, 24 years old. And after COVID, my biggest fear was losing my mom and being alone, not having someone in my life to kind of take care of me. And she started um, skinny dipping in her pool. Okay. Okay. And this is going to sound crazy during COVID. And she said it was just really transformative because like the cold water and everything just gave her an opportunity to breathe and hear her breath and think, you know what? I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Her mom passed away and her and Billy Ray um, got divorced. She said she had a really pushed everything kind of under the rug and had kind of basically a psychological breakdown one month, but then came out of it. And now she's with a guy named Dominic Purcell. Um, they've tied, they've, they've gotten married. They got married in August, 2023. And Molly was there and all her other kids were there. 
Um, Molly was not there when her dad, Billy Ray, married Fire Rose, the singer. That's her name, Fire Rose, Cadillac Jack, um, in October of 2023. She is two years older than Miley, okay? Um, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it or if something has happened. Um, I don't know, you know, between her, and we'll probably never know, but I think it was pretty obvious that yeah. something has happened. What, what and, you know. What, what triggered me to to flag it was uh, when she says, and she did this for a reason. Uh, she says, you hear her say, uh, I think we got everybody, didn't we? Or something like that. You know, uh, I, I don't think we missed anybody. And then she did the underwear gag. Um, that that was planted there for a reason, to to absolutely make sure that Billy Ray Cyrus knew. And he always hated, he always called me out for calling him Billy Ray Cyrus. He's like, Jack, why, mm -hmm. you always call somebody by the first and last name? Which I never thought about that, but three name people. Well, that's three names. I yeah. normally do. We love these three name reason. people. Yeah, Billy Ray Cyrus. He said, call me BRC. Call me BR. Anyway, um, I, I think that she wanted Daddy to know, or to get back to Daddy, that there is no don't don't think for a minute that that that, that I actually forgot to uh, thank you on stage. Her first Grammy win, first time she's ever won a Grammy. I was surprised by that. Yeah, it was kind of surprising. And I've had people say to me, like, what's your thought on this? Like, do you think that she should have shaded him? And I said, I don't think she shaded him. I think there's a difference. I think if she had gone out there in perfect Miley fashion, which she very well could have done and said, I'll tell you who I'm not thinking. That's my dad. Because yeah. I can see her doing yeah, she, something yeah, like no, that. No kidding, she would. That's shading. But to just say, hey, no, I think I've covered everybody that I want to thank. I think that's fine. I, I, you know, I think that, listen, I'm a big believer that poor behavior it shouldn't, it shouldn't exist, whether it's a, a friend, a lover, a parent, anyone, it just shouldn't, you don't get a pass with people. And I think that that happens so many times with people where, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, my kids, they're so nice to everybody. And, you know, they, they're not a bully, but then they bully each other. They bully siblings, you know, in the family. It's not okay. You know, it's not okay for a mom to be super nice to, you know, a kid's friends and then scream and yell and treat the kid rotten. But you got to be nice to me because I'm your mom. I, I gave you life. I do everything for you. You know, that's not the way life works. You don't owe people anything because you have to have boundaries, you know? And so I'm just a big believer in that. So I think a lot of people have said, and, and we don't even know if she was shading him. But my point is, is a lot of people have said, well, that wasn't very nice for her to do. She doesn't owe Billy Ray Cyrus just because he's her dad. She doesn't have to get up there and thank him. She doesn't have to thank Tish. If, you know, if, if they've had struggles and they've had challenges, then he shouldn't be on the back of her winning. You know what I mean? Like she won it on her own. Good for her. What's your thought on that? Uh, I would probably disagree with you entirely. Yeah. Um, I think that um, he did raise her, he, but, but, but he also... Unlike Tish, just because Tish didn't have the avenue to do it, I think that he opened doors and, and, and paved streets for Miley Cyrus, not only with Hannah Montana, but with her, her singing career. And Yeah, um, I think he did. And then she had to take the reins and, and go forward. Okay, he's well, not so responsible be it. But, for her. Uh, he's not. But, but I think that uh, I don't know that Miley Cyrus would be the Miley Cyrus that she is today if she were not the daughter of Billy Cyrus. Yeah, maybe. But then maybe he should be a better dad and she would Could be. You could know. be. Fair, fair statement. I, mean, I, fair just, statement. I don't know. But whether or not uh, he 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 was able to fast track her career, uh, I don't know that to be true, I and mean, I don't I don't think that that would be a fair statement to say. But um, he was there for her in the early days of her career. So if there's a problem in your personal relationship that you have with your father, I think that's a separate entity, a separate conversation. I think that professionally, um, 
you deserve to thank you. And, and maybe even I love you from stage, especially if there's a, a, a riff of some sort. Use that as an yeah. opportunity. Use that stage as an opportunity to try to, 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 to break that riff. To, to, to But we don't. But yeah, I totally 150,000. And that's what's so great about us in the podcast. I 150,000 percent to the millionth degree disagree. Really? And not because it's dad versus mom. Absolutely. If it was Tish, the reality is he, she owes him nothing. She owes him nothing. And that is that's how narcissists view life is. I pay for this. I gave you this. I birthed you. I raised you. Correct. But you you have to be able to put up boundaries against anyone in your life who is not treating you properly. And what we don't know is how many times maybe Molly's tried to fix the situation and it's gone nowhere or vice versa. I'm not putting all this on her. I don't know the personal situation, but I am a big believer. And it took me a long time, probably till I was 35 to believe that I also believe this quote from Maya Angelou, when you know better, you do better. Okay. And that applies to life, to parents, to spouses, to partners, to kids, everything. But you don't owe your parents. You don't have to keep toxic people in your life, even if they're family members. I'm going to say parents, brothers, sisters, anyone. You, you, you don't have that obligation. You, you have an obligation for people to treat you properly. And just because someone is a family member, it does not give them the right to treat you poorly. It doesn't. Right. Okay. That's just me. <coughs> and I'd be interested to hear what other people think if you're listening to the podcast. But, um, and again, I'm not saying that you're rude to your parents. That's not what I'm saying. But I think that it's dangerous territory to teach kids that whether it's a sibling, an aunt, an uncle, you know, don't, I know your uncle, you know, does bad things to you or says mean things to you, but he's a, he's family. Are you freaking kidding me? No, absolutely uh, not. That's it. Our thanks to executive producers, Carl Appen and Hans Appen. Production assistance from Steve Mitchell at Ingo Studios in Atlanta, I-N-G-O. Ingo Studios in Atlanta. Mitchell uh, is the executive producer of The Morning Show. We do together five mornings a week. Wake up with us. We'd love to wake up with you. 5.30 a.m. till 10 Eastern weekdays. Atlanta's The Bear 92.5. It's a free uh, download. Just search for The Bear 92.5 wherever you download your podcast. Mitchell also kind enough to consult here uh, on the podcast. New episodes on Tuesday and Thursday of Cadillac Check, my second act. Proud to be part of the App and Podcast Network. (laughs) 